dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Mother Natalia. Today, Father Michael is talking about uh, kind of breaking out of our worldviews and realizing that not everything is how it seems to us. He talks about... um, taking what little we have and allowing the Lord to multiply it and how that looks in different ministries and in uh, different ways, depending on the particular person. And then he takes us through the story of St. Fotina from the fourth chapter of John, the woman at the well, as we get to kind of watch her story, her encounter with the Lord as a conversion story um, live and how that, that can be a model for us of our own conversion. If you are a hashtag banter hater, you're going to want to skip ahead seven minutes after this intro, but there's a pretty exciting announcement at minute 140 of the banter. Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed he is risen. (laughs) That was the most passive aggressive way of correcting me ever. (laughs) Oh no, I've been more passive aggressive. This is going to come out after Ascension. So I was, I was doing the greeting that for the people when they hear this You were not. You just forgot what season we were in. I did not forget what season we're in. That's taking you to the extreme. All right. Glory to him forever. (laughs) Christ is risen. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, he is risen. I just, my brain just works in like one lane sometimes and not others. What does that mean? It's like, I I don't think about what I'm saying. I just say things. (laughs) This is why I have, this is what virtue is. And then you started a podcast. This is Exactly. This is what virtue is, Mother. We 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 do something out of habit, and then okay. if you do the right thing out of habit, it builds virtue. Okay. And so when I'm used to saying Lord Jesus Christ, I just I it's hit record. Because you're so virtuous. <laughs> I hit record. My voice sounds so weird. Sorry, listeners. If you're hearing me in like an echo chamber and Mother totally normal, that's what I'm hearing in my headphones right now. But anyway, hopefully you can understand me at least. But um, we're together. High five. Oh wait. This is our tradition. Um, Maddie Hebert's graduation from University of Steubenville. So we're out here. You want to you announce? You want to just an opportunity to announce what we did earlier today? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So um, I was like trying to, I was like, we made sourdough pancakes. We, <laughs> not, <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Um, so, uh, pretty, are you recording the banter time, by the way? Because people might want to hear this. We may want to just have listen to the banter. Anyway. If you are a Patreon of our, a supporter of our nonprofit on Patreon, in any way, on any level, um, Patreon, and by the way, uh, our Patreon serves our nonprofit, our nonprofit supports evangelization, ours and other people's, and it supports um, the poor, 20% goes to the poor, uh, we get uh, 10% goes to the church, so we, we do a lot of good with it, I, I think. So if you are a Patreon supporter, um, you get access if you're driving across middle America. If, you, if you're a Patreon supporter, all you get access to a locker with cigars in it at Chesterton's Cigar Lounge, Chesterton and Company Cigar Lounge in Steubenville, Ohio. So uh, Mother and I were in Steubenville for the graduation of, of one Maddie Hebert, and we rented a locker um, from that our our Patreon money is supporting, but it's really it's just one <laughs> one benefactor who decided I'm just going to get it for you guys. So we have this wonderful benefactor who's renting us in in the name of our nonprofit Fotina and our podcast about God is not renting us a cigar locker. So if you go to Chesterton and Company, it's members only cigar lounge. And so if you are a Patreon supporter, you are now a member if you're traveling of the what God is not locker and you can get a cigar you can leave a cigar you can hang out in the lounge you can chat with matt frad all the other people that are there we ask that only if you're traveling if you're a local in steubenville we want you to support chesterton's and uh and not drain our our cigar locker you can use it like once or twice absolutely use it once or twice but if you're a supporter so um well we'll put the link this on but if if you are a a patreon supporter and you want a cigar and and the use of the lounge is steubenville ohio uh, just email us a week ahead of time, and we will make sure that we put your name on the list so that when you walk into Chesterton, you can go, I'm with what God is not. And you give your name, then you get access to the cigars and the lounge. And it's a take a cigar, leave a cigar. With a friend. You with can bring you a can friend. even bring a friend, uh-huh. preferably someone who is not Catholic, so that you can evangelize them. 
um, in said lounge. Where Catholics need evangelized. I'm too. guessing it's they need to evangelized. Um, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. Uh, I'm guessing. What am I guessing? Oh, I'm guessing it was blessed. Was it blessed? I think it, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm guessing it was blessed. You can bring them to a blessed cigar lounge and have a cigar. And I'm sure to, Matt would have blessed it. Me too. I yeah. hope so. We're good. We're going to ask him later on. <laughs> I'm sure Matt would have had it blessed is the more accurate way. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. So anyway, so we went there this morning and, and paid money for that. And we got, it's, it's locker number eight. So uh, locker number eight at Chesterton Company is the what God is not locker. They are going to supposedly find a way of putting our names on there somehow, but in oh, right now it's just number eight. I didn't know that. Um, but but I have to say this. So if you if you're a cigar smoker, you know Caldwell's. Um, some of my elitist cigar friends, including Phil Phil Hurtado's listening. You've all met Phil on the podcast. Phil is my cigar buddy who knows cigars the best, and he loves Caldwell's, and they have the greatest Caldwell's cigar selection I've ever seen. I didn't know this until this morning when I walked in there. Mm-hmm. They have like seven different kinds of Caldwell's, Phil. So if you're listening, Phil, come to Stuyvesant. Um Anyway, so yeah, check that out. And uh, if you're a Patreon member at any level, um, feel free to use our, let us know ahead of time, of course. And then we also ask that when you leave, if you could just report back to us, let us know how many cigars are left in there. Because neither Mother or I live in Steubenville, so we're going to have our people checking on it. But um, it'd be nice if you, our listeners, were there, if you could let us know when you leave how many cigars are left so we know to, to keep it stocked. Um, all right. How are you doing, Mother? I am I'm doing well. I'm tired. You're tired. We're tired. I told Mother I was going to see her this morning at 8.30 a.m. and I was staying at the seminary in Cleveland and she was staying with a friend 45 minutes away. I did not know that. And uh-huh. so I wake up That's this morning. That's why I told you it would have added an hour and a half to my drive because 45 minutes each way. You expect me to do math? Okay. <laughs> um, and so so I go to bed after having cigars and whiskey with a bunch of seminarians and priests from the, from the Diocese of Cleveland and I wake up in the morning, look at the time, 40 minutes and I'm on LA time and I'm on eastern time right now and i'm i live on pacific so anyway we're both kind of tired mother's tired because she's mother why are you tired i don't know why why are you tired i don't <laughs> I know have an, I, mean, I have an excuse i knew i wasn't gonna get an hour of prayer in today so i prayed my cell roll before you came over so oh, i got okay. up early to make sure that i prayed before and and you're tired because you're a nun is that what you're saying i had a 45 minute drive last night and then <laughs> no sorry oh, gosh man you're kind of testy too <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are we're here in in Maddie's um, kitchen. <laughs> Even though she's not here, <laughs> she's not here. <laughs> she's out with her family. She was afraid her family was going to be too loud in the background, so she left. Um, but we are here drinking her drinks and eating her food and using her kitchen, using her electricity. Um, so yeah, all those things. So my, we'll jump right into the topics. I think you already called it on the. Uh, we're at 703 right now. Um, so I'm kind of doing a word from homilist um, today because it's so funny because I don't, the way that I feel about a homily, I cannot tell you until after I give it whether it was good or not. Mm. And so I, I, I had a pretty good, maybe I'll, if we have enough time, I'll bring in the Samaritan woman. So we are now, this is now Thursday or is this Friday? Friday. This is Friday of the week of the Samaritan woman. Um, so we had the Samaritan woman last Sunday. And then this the Samaritan woman, by the way, is P.H.O. Tina, <laughs> our patroness uh, for our nonprofit. And then this this past Wednesday uh, was the leave taking of mid Pentecost. And so the gospel for the day, not for the saint, because the saint was Simon, the uh, zealot. By the way, if. There's different answers oh, no. to this. Sorry, trivia. I, you don't need to know. You don't need to know. But but have you ever heard, no no judgment if you haven't, about why he's called Simon the Zealot? One of the 12? I have been told by um, someone who's, you and I both know, who is very much a scripture scholar, that it's okay. not because he belonged to the Zealot party. Um, because he says the Zealot party didn't actually exist yet at that point. Um, and so that that's a common misconception. See, you, you were humbled, but now I'm even more humbled <laughs> by, by you leading off by saying someone smarter than you told me <laughs> that, that it's not what you probably think it is. I didn't say that's what you probably think it is. I'm just saying that's what this 
scripture scholar says that it's not. And this scripture scholar <laughs> is one of two brothers who you and I both know who know a lot of things. All right. So, so according to the Synexarion, um, he, this Simon the Zealot, the, one of the 12 apostles, was the groom at the wedding of Cana. And, and he, after being the groom, after seeing the water turned into wine, he became very zealous for the faith because uh-huh. of the miracle and followed Christ. So they called him Simon the Zealot to distinguish him from Simon who became Peter. That's good. So, <laughs> That's not him being part of the zealot party. You just led me on. You completely just led me on. No, no, but, but there, there is, I, I have heard from other um, possibly less educated scholars about that, that he was of the zealot party. And the reason why they say that again, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, not getting back, but, but the reason they say that, but why I like that idea is because then you would have a band of 13, right? And more with women. You'd have this band of brothers who were, you just want to talk about band of brothers again. (laughs) (laughs) As I was saying, that was coming out of my mouth. I was like, that's kind of funny. Um, this, this band of brothers. So you have the apostles and the women, and you have one of them who may have been in the zealous part, zealot party, probably not supposedly according to your, your sources. Um, but also you had Matthew, the tax collector. Yeah. So you had someone who was, they would have hated des- each other. They would have hated because, because the zealot party was one who were desirous of political gain for like what, what we nowadays would call Zionists, right? Political gain. Um, not only spiritual gain, but political gain. And then you would have had Matthew, who is a tax collector, therefore he traded to his people mm-hmm. to give money, tax money, to the Romans, who are the current invaders of the time. So, so yeah, so I, I, I don't know which is true. I will believe you, Mother, and your sources. Um, and the Synexarium. And the Synexarium. I, I, did, I did read the Synexarium, by the way, is our like, Lives of the Saints. Um, I did read it that morning. I just know that the Synexarium isn't necessarily the most academic of sources. Mm-hmm. So anyway, somebody can correct us. If any of you are Byzantine and you know, or even just a scholar, scripture scholar, and know the answer to I'm this, sure they will. Write in a mother to Talia, tell her it's all her fault as usual, and uh, we'll move on. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do any corrections um, to this podcast, which we have not done officially in a while. Like, hey, we said something weird last time, and now we need to clarify. Well, that's just because we've been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're really good at lying. Um, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I wanted to talk about Wednesday, the leave-taking of Mid-Pentecost. Mid-Pentecost is a week-long feast on our Byzantine calendar that starts on the very middle day, the day um, halfway between Easter, Pascha, and Pentecost. So we mm-hmm. call it Pentecost, but the feast is for a whole week. So on the last day of that week, that octave, um, we had the gospel of the, from the version of John's the gospel of the multiplication loaves and the fishes. Mm-hmm. So in this gospel, it's another one I like, and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I kind of, I'm going to add to it this time. There's something beautiful about the awkwardness that I think the gospel writer knew when Jesus approached Philip. So they, they, they see a crowd, right? He's teaching as a crowd comes up. We all know the general story of the multiplication loaves and the fishes. A crowd comes up and Jesus asks Philip, what are we going to do to feed them? I'm not, I don't have it in front of me right now. So I'm kind of ad-libbing. I apologize if I get something slightly wrong. And, and Philip's like, you know, literally I mean 200 days wages would not give all these people a mouthful that's how many people there are 200 days wages would not even give these people enough to sustain them for a moment um and then so someone comes forward five loaves and two fish right a- an absurdly small amount of food who would even consider that when it comes to trying to feed thousands of people no one would consider it it seems absurdly small jesus takes these five loaves blesses breaks hands them out and they end up feeding everybody and they and they return as 12 baskets so um there's this massive multiplication that happens the people then at the end of this version um they identify jesus as the prophet that god sent Uh, an obvious messianic reference so this is the one this is the mouthpiece of god who we've been waiting for the one who's going to come uh prophet like moses successor of david all these other things the 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 anointed one the savior who's going to come so uh, the, he's identified as the savior. Now, I'll mention the the wrong, what many have said, not just me, the wrong interpretation of that gospel at a moment. Um, but I do love this. I know I've mentioned this podcast before. There is something so beautiful about the fact that Jesus doesn't, there, there's different ways of seeing this, but but basically, if we want to 
if we want to do the impossible, if we want to to be earthen vessels that bring the light of Christ to the world, if we want to do evangelization things, which you and my mother are trying to do, including this podcast, if we want to evangelize people, in reality, what we have to offer is almost nothing. Mm. What we have to offer is like five loaves and two fish when you want to feed thousands of people. So the this gospel then is pretty much us, and, and we, we've all done this, where we say, I'm frustrated, Lord, that I can't do more. I'm frustrated that my sibling or my parent or my child has left the faith, and I have not been able to be eloquent enough. I want to bring them back to the faith. I want my words to be eloquent. I want my my faith to be theirs, and yet it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Having them come back to the faith would be like moving a mountain. Um, I want to protect my child from this or that. Um, I want to be able to to speak and evangelize in a way that will move souls. I want to be able to to make enough money through competence in my job to give my family a, a safe neighborhood to live in, right? I, I want to heal my mother or my father who has cancer. There's all these things that we want to do so much, and we have so little to offer. And that's what one of the interpretations that is, is so beautiful of this gospel is that literally the people offered – five loaves and two fish and Jesus fed thousands of people with it. So Jesus is saying your, your mustard seed sized contribution. And this is why I love that also the parable or the, not the parable, excuse me, the story of the widow's might, because one, one translation says she gave from her lack, even giving from our lack, Christ takes that and he multiplies it. And, and when we offer this little that we have in, in humility and also confidence in God's love, God takes that and then he multiplies it in leaps and bounds. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I don't know if this uh, is just going to take it totally off course for you, but it's, it's making me think about, um, I, I've recorded before about um, the topic of finding hope in the desert. And it reminds me of, um, I had written a poem a long time back after a lot of just very dry prayer and not hearing the Lord's voice for a long time and just feeling like I was in the desert and reflecting on Hosea, um, the second chapter of Hosea, especially verse 14. Uh, I will, when, when God says of Israel, I will allure her and lead her into the desert and there speak tenderly to her and just feeling like I'm in the desert. I'm not even hearing him speak tender. There's just so much dryness and there's nothing here. Um, and to then realize um, in that prayer, like I did feel that I heard his voice for the first time in a very long time um, in the midst of all the dryness. And I started to see some of the things that had been happening in my heart and in my life while being in the desert and realizing the beauty of the desert in that um, when something is, is growing there, um, in that spiritual desert, it's very obvious that it's the Lord. Um, and, and so it's like, Mm. we can trick ourselves when we're not in the desert, we can trick ourselves into thinking that these things are from us. Whereas when we're in the desert and there's, there's no water, there's nothing, no reason for something to grow, then it's very obvious that it's him. And I think likewise, it's like when there's this, this vast, um, lack with what we're bringing and what actually needs to come forth, then, then it's obvious when that, that thing does come forth, that it's the Lord and it's not us. I'm kind of laughing because that's exactly my next point. Great. (laughs) Which is, which in my mind was the polar opposite of what I said earlier. And I'll explain why that's the case, but that's really, really funny because, but, but also because you and I have very different personalities in this way, the way where you where you see a desert, I see something else. So I'll I'll mm. get that in a moment. So in in one sense, we can say, I have so little, and that can frustrate us. Mm-hmm. I I want I wish I had more skills, talents, better looking, more. I was smarter. Like if I had more, I could do more. Mm-hmm. That's in our mind. That insecurity. This should be a balm for that. In mm-hmm. other words. 
I don't need much. I need five loaves and two fishes. And Christ takes that and feeds us. I don't need to do the multiplication. I don't need to do the feeding. I, I give Christ all that I have. And it's the smallest thing he takes and he multiplies. Mm-hmm. The faith decides I must see it again. Christ yeah. takes this. And in fact, it's not good for you if it's if it's you, because then you think it's you and it's not Jesus. So exactly, so that's what I'm going next. Exactly. So that that's your. I like that desert image. So now, correct me if I'm hearing you. So, but what with me, my personality is such that that I don't I don't often feel that type of frustration. I don't feel the frustration. Like I don't have enough. My vice is the opposite. My vice is <laughs> I get I start in what do you want to call it pride or arrogance or whatever. I start saying, look at all this is that is happening. I see things through very rose colored glasses. I see things where I'm a very I'm a, very much an optimist. I see it all very positively. So I can the devil tempts me to say, look how amazing I am. Mm-hmm. Look, look, look at these things I'm doing. Look at all this fruit that's coming from me. And I think what our Lord does so. Our, if we're insecure about how much we have to offer, we want to do more, we want more. Our Lord says, you don't need more. I do the more. You provide all that you have, as little as it is. It does not matter. Just give me everything, whether that's a widow's might, it's a, a faith size of mustard seed. Philos, give me everything you have, and I will multiply it. Beautiful message of our Christianity and who Jesus is in our lives. But also the case is that if, if we get too caught up in saying, I'm seeing thousands of people being fed, right? It must be my mm. doing, or even if I'm like, oh, look at my loaves and fish. That was such a great gift. That's a great, I, I was able to give so much and Jesus used it for so much. That's a that's a confidence in God's gift to us, but it's also, it can be debilitating because of course now we're getting in the way of what Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. We're trying to control the outcome of our gifts. We're only using them. We're not giving everything because we, 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 think that there's so much that we're not giving him everything because we can't even walk around because of our pride, all all that we think is there. I'm obviously exaggerating a bit here, but, but so when we do that, sometimes God then will, in your definition, the way I see it, reveal that I'm going to make it so that you have to understand it's me Mm -hmm. and not you. So in a sense, I'm going to put you in the desert because in the desert, if you're feeling desert, then anything that grows, you're going to know is not from you. Mm-hmm. You're going to say, I, I didn't do that. It must not be me. It must be God. Mm-hmm. In my life, it ends up not necessarily being a desert, but being utter chaos. Mm. So life becomes so chaotic that I can't keep my nose above water. I can't, I can't do everything on my to-do list. There's just so much and it's so crazy. And I feel like I'm juggling, I've thrown, you know, 20 um, bowling pins in the air and there's no way I can catch them all. And I don't even know, I don't even know if I can catch one of them because they're all coming down at the same time. And I'm Mm. so overwhelmed by the number of bowling pins that are falling. I'm trying to catch even one of those and I feel completely lost and, and like, I'm not in a desert, I'm in a raging ocean Mm. and I'm trying to, you know, stay afloat. And when that happens, all of a sudden I will stop and I will say, there's like, I'm not feeding people right now. And then people come to me and go, Oh, father, I'm being fed. And I go, Oh, <laughs> thank God. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I thought, I thought that in all of this, that I, I know I'm neglecting you, this soul under my care. I know I'm neglecting you because I'm not, I don't have the time or the effort or the energy to put into you as much as you deserve right now. But the fact that you're being taken care of and you feel taken care of, you didn't say you've been taken care of by me. I know it's not me, yeah. obviously. So whether it's a desert or, or a raging ocean, there, there's God strips away all of our, our, um, the way we've deceived ourselves to think that we're the ones actually helpful in the situation. And we have to admit, since we know it's not us in such a visceral, visceral way, we have to admit this must be God. Yeah. It's what you're describing is kind of like, because <laughs> um, I, I experience that sometimes too, where, where I get so caught up in seeing the good of the ministry that, that that's then, I think the temptation we fall into is once we see how much good is being done, instead of just saying like, oh, thank you, Lord, there's all this good that's being done. It's so beautiful. Then we think like there needs to be more and more and more good. And then it becomes about the product as opposed to like, it's about the ministry. And then there's this product. It becomes about the product. It becomes about the good that's coming from it, Um, which is obviously like, this is, this is very nuanced. It's a very subtle 
working of the devil, I think, because like that that's a good desire, right? Like to want good to come from our ministry. Um, but the the devil twists that to take our our eyes off of off of the Lord. And it's like it's like the reflection I've shared before about the walking on the Sea of Galilee and then um, like St. Peter and then taking our eyes off of Jesus. And then that's when we sink. And it's like, we're not saving anyone around us by taking our eyes off of him. Um, and so it's kind of like when we get to that point, I think he, he can have kind of the flip side of the desert, like you're describing where he's like, Oh, you, you think you can handle all of these things? Like you think you're God, then I will give you all of the things that God has to handle. (laughs) And like, you can see how you do it. Um, but then in the midst of that, God is still good. God still uses all for good for those who love him. And so he's still going to bring good to the people that we're failing in our humanity, um, not in our humanity in our subhumanity. Um, and so he, he still brings good of it, but, but it's in those moments that we realize he's bringing good in spite of us and not because of us sometimes. And it's like really good for us to see that. I realized a, a an outcropping of this idea, if you will, when I saw on social media, um, you know, do you know who Mr. Beast is? So Mr. No. Beast has YouTube. He's like one of the most popular and successful, monetary successful YouTube personalities of all time. Oh. So Mr. Beast, and, and he does, he's been doing it for years and years and years, but um, he, one of the things he does, and I've maybe only seen two of his videos, but he, one of the things he does is he always surprises people with a lot of money or like a car or something like that. So he surprises people just in public. He'll be like, he'll fight somebody in the grocery store and he'll walk in there and he'll be like, I'm going to buy your entire cart of groceries. Mm-hmm. And he does things like that all the time. But he obviously has made a lot of money off this and had a lot of followers. And so every time he does some massive project, I think recently he 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 paid for like cochlear implants for like 500 deaf people. I'm, I'm, I mean, this, I'm, I don't know that that's it. It's something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that, like he, he allowed 500 deaf people to hear. And so he he puts it out there that he did that. And of course, people come and say, don't praise him. Like he's getting views off this. Mm-hmm. You know, he he did it publicly. He He's gaining from this. If he had not done that, he's making more money by doing this than if he hadn't done it. And they're pointing this out. And I thought, I thought, okay, so maybe he is. This is, in a sense, one of the one of the one of the aspects of capitalism, right? When 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 I help others, I'm also being helped, and just part of our humanity as well. And we we never know if we're, if we're totally being completely sincere. But if you ask any of those people that can now hear mm-hmm. and couldn't before, he did a good thing. Like fr- from the perspective of 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 me, whom sitting in my laying on my couch watching a YouTube video on my phone and going, oh, look how much money he has. Like, yeah, he, he, there's a certain self-serving way he's doing it. I don't know his personality. I don't know how good he is. I have no idea. But I, I just saw this criticism. I thought, you know, there's something like I don't, I can't criticize him mm-hmm. because if I take the perspective of the person who benefited from it, the beneficiary, then it's a good thing. Again, the, the ends don't justify the means. Of course, if, if he's doing all of this for popularity and for fame, then, then what he did doesn't justify his sin. But I don't know if he is, but I do know that, that these people that he's helping, it's hard to criticize him what he's doing if you were the one, and I don't think you would if you were one of the beneficiaries of it. Um, so there, there's something about this, what, I don't know if he's a faithful guy at all, of course, but, but if there's something about when I, I use what, what I've been given, whether a YouTube channel or whatever it is, and I benefit other people, the benefit to them of now being able to hear, I would argue, is so much greater than the extra $500,000 I made off this project. You know, that like mm-hmm. the benefit expanded and generosity expands and it grows and it multiplies. Um, in those ways. And, and that's uh, a similar thing happened where somebody asked on, on Twitter or something on social media, um, do you shower in the evening or in the morning? Are you, are you an evening shower or a morning shower? And all these people were jumping on their answering it. And they're like, it's insane. Like, again, there's always the normies. There's the people that post something normal, like, oh, I like the morning or I like the evening. And then there's people who like just decide that they need to criticize, like, like, who in their right mind showers in the evening? Of course you need to be in the morning. <laughs> who in their right mind showers in the morning? Of course the evening is so much better. Like objective is if that's an objective question. And I thought, I, I hate to use this word, but how privileged are we? <laughs> how privileged are we? Like 
there are people that have jobs where if they didn't shower in the evening, <laughs> it would be gross. So mm-hmm. don't judge anybody for showering in the evening. Sometimes your life is such that you have to shower in the evening. Also, there are some people that don't have air conditioning, and if they sleep in a hot place, they're going to wake up in the morning totally covered in sweat. Yeah. Well, I, like, like we, we live in such a good place where we can say, I don't need to shower in the morning or the evening, mm-hmm. you know, most of us. So, so we can judge as if there's like something wrong with people to do one or the other. Like, just think about those who receive the cochlear implants or think about those who don't have jobs that are, are, you know, or don't have air conditioning, don't have jobs conducive to this. It's like, why do we jump in and always assume that other people's like, anyway, I'm getting on a whole different topic. Yeah, this is a completely different topic. I'm like trying to figure out how to respond. And I'm like, I don't know if it's completely different because there is something about, there is something about. I just hope you bring it back because I'm like, I have no idea how to respond. I'll just say what's on your mind. But but the the, the Mr. Beast thing, it shows that, that when we give what we have. Yeah. Like, like the five loaves and the two fish. Our Lord takes it and blesses it in, in other ways, right. and, and and what we need to we need to switch the mindset so that we we when we hear that story we're putting ourselves in the place of Mister Beast mm-hmm. and saying look he's getting something from it. We're not putting ourselves in the place of those who receive the cochlear implants, and that we need to do that sometimes when we when we judge people for showering at a certain time. We're not putting ourselves in the place of those who may need to shower at those times. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my there's was my there's transition. also just so much of a projection there of like, um. I, I don't know. I don't know who this Mr. Beast is. That what you said he Mr. goes Mr. Beast, B E A S T. Fascinating. Um, like I don't know Mr. Beast. That's, that's a very strange thing to say. <laughs> um, I don't know Mr. Beast. Um, I don't. I don't know his soul. But I would guess most of the people who are commenting on these things um, also don't know his soul. Right. And so there's just there can be so much projecting of um, if he is. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing with the money, right? But like, we, can, I, I can't judge his motivations. Um, I don't know if he's like, I'm just thinking of what we do with Fotina. And like, we share the stories sometimes of how we're using the money mm-hmm. because we want to encourage people to give to this cause so that we have more money for the cause. And so like, if that's his motivation, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like yeah. it's the investing the talents for the, um, and so on and so forth. And I don't, I don't know that that is his motivation. Maybe it is just for profit, but the thing is like, even if he is just doing it for profit, the Lord is still using that for the good of some people. And it may not be for the good of his soul. Right. Um, but he's the one who's going to have to deal with that in the end. Um, and that sounded very, very grim. Very. Uh, but, that's yeah. that's kind of what the heart of social media is, unfortunately. And so it's it's just throwing, criticizing everybody and anything for something that doesn't fit my the way I think. Um, but I, I was on a committee recently, and we were we were discussing, um, we were discussing the somebody's role in their life, and like saying, hey, should we pretty much should we hire this person, right? Should we hire this person um, to do this project? And and so they gave us recommendations. And one of the people who wrote the recommendation said, um, if you hire them, it will do like the beneficiaries of his, the project he leads will be benefited greatly because he has a skill set that can help in this certain project. He will suffer immensely. Mm, it will not yeah. be good for him, but it'll be good for them. And it was a very interesting recommendation for a project that normally I wouldn't have thought they would have put too much. We, we expected to get all just, yeah, I'll use him. You know, I've used him and, and you can use him too. I did not expect someone to think so deeply about it to say it pretty it much. It won't it, be good for him. Right. Yeah. It, this is, this is going to help the people that you want to help, but it's actually going to, going to harm him in his, his health. Yeah. Um, slightly related to that, but, but more so going back and our, like the comments I was making about how we can start to focus more on the product than, um, than on like who's producing, you know, it's kind of going back to that, like um, love the giver, not the gift kind of concept that we've spoken on it in a few recent podcasts. But uh, I remember being really disillusioned and a little disheartened at some point when I was in, I was in college and I was working with just like a, a ministry that, that we had on campus and, um, and there were some, some people that I really wanted to get involved with the ministry because I thought it would be very good for them. And, um, they were juniors and seniors and I was basically, uh, not basically, like I was told by the ministry, 
Like, don't focus on them. Focus on the freshmen because they're not going to have time to give back to the ministry, Mm -hmm. these juniors and seniors. Mm -hmm. And I was so disheartened by that because I was like, but also like these people are then going to be out in the world. And so they can, first of all, they can give out in the world, but even disregarding that part, like, isn't it just good for them and for their own soul? Um, And this was a Christian ministry, you know? And, um, and then as I, I started to think about it, I was just like, this is so easy for all of us to fall into. Um, and so I was, I was grateful for the experience, if, if for no other reason than to realize my— and I, and I fought for the people, and I was like, no, I, I, really, I really think that it's like good to serve these people. Um, and, but it's, it's good to even just learn from for ourselves to know to not fall into that same trap because it's very easy for all of us, especially those of us who are priests and nuns and are in various ministries, you know, it can be easy to, to lose sight of, of the goal and um, to focus on ourselves. And we have those, those moments that are very humbling um, to remind us of that. And sometimes it's the desert and sometimes it's the chaos and the sinking in the sea and, and all of that. I gave a, a talk recently um as you know, Father Michael, at um, the the retreat for uh, Annunciation. And and then we ended up sharing the talk for one of our episodes. But after the, after the talk, I was just like, that is the worst talk I've ever given. Oh. I think it's the worst talk I have ever given. I and thought I, it was too. It was really pretty bad. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and... I was like, I just, man, that stunk. And then I had so many people come up to me, mm-hmm. um, like weeping. And they're like, this was particularly for me, or that was particularly for me. And then even, um, I, we kind of, I put it out on the podcast just because we didn't have time to record. So I just like used the recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and uh, someone from the media team uh, reached out to me and was just like, um, that episode was so amazing. I don't even know which things to pray with because there was so much and so on. And I'm just like, Amen. it was all the Holy Spirit because like I I gave nothing to that talk. Like it was not me at all. I felt like I totally bombed and anything that people heard from it was the Holy Spirit. Um, and and I think he gives us those moments just to, to remind us that when we think the 5,000 loaves are from us, like we actually only brought five. Right. Um, Two loaves? I don't know. I'm mixing up the five numbers. Loaves and two fish. Yeah, yeah five loaves. Um, yeah, it, going back to what you were saying about that, the Christian ministry. There, there are. I mean, Christ explicitly says, "Do not invite those to the banquet that can repay you. Right. Like, invite those who cannot repay you." And there, there's something about within the built into the heart of our Christianity is is that desire. Like we just we don't do that enough. We don't hear it in homilies enough. We don't do it ourselves enough. Or at least I don't. Um, where we say, "I'm going to do the absolutely absurd." I'm going to I'm going to look for opportunities to to give with zero expectation of return. I actually thought about that when I heard about the Mr. Beast debacle, the people complaining. I thought, you know, what if what if he did twice that amount and just didn't tell us? Like well, what 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 if he actually gave, you know, a thousand people cochlear mm-hmm. implants and just but only reported five like that 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 may be the case but we don't know that we can't know that so we criticize you know one sense but the whole the success would be in not knowing so i think that also means a good ministry if you if you're being authentically and giving you just have to roll your eyes when people complain mm-hmm. I know I'm helping people. And even though I'm benefiting from it as well, the mature thing to do is to not let the criticism get you down because it can so often come from jealousy or from, you know, just uh, they don't like you for something else. And you just have to continue doing what you're going to do. Right. If you get criticized, listen to it. Take either take it to heart or dismiss it outright and then keep on loving. Keep on, and you're saying, I like loving. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not just because I may get a little bit of ego from this. I, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop helping people. You know, mm-hmm. I just need to purify my ego. That's what I need to do and continue helping people at the same time. So, um, tying in then the, the Samaritan woman, um, I heard a podcast on this, um, from Father, um, Stephen Demick, uh, but he was talking about the the conversion, the process of conversion that she went through. And I don't remember if he was this specific. I, I prayed through it and I kind of... I, I think it's Father Andrew, Andrew Stephen. Demick, Stephen. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Andrew so he, um, um, it was on his old uh, Roads from Emmaus podcast on Ancient Paper. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, anyway, he was kind of talking about the process of conversion and 
again, I don't know how much it was, it was in the podcast. I just, I brought more into a later bun, but he talks about, and I, I, I kind of developed it. There's four parts of this, of the, of Votina's conversion. And it's, it's nice. As he said, it's nice to say, we just watched a, watched evangelization happen live. Mm. Like we watched a conversion happen live. And of course, conversion, we, we, we use the word metanoia means turning around or conversion. So we Byzantines and order Orthodox use when we do, when we do a, a bow or a prostration and the sign of the cross, we call it a little metany or metanoia. It means this is a, an outward sign of conversion. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me to go back for a second. Um, I do think that and I've, I've had those moments, even though I said I don't much, I've had those moments where I don't feel like I have anything to give. And usually it's after God's humbled me. So like after it's so chaotic and I'm like, I don't even have the time to devote to the things I want to devote, the things I think are best, where there are some nights where I go into my room and I'm so exhausted that I, my mustard seed, my five loaves and two fish is literally just like a sign of the cross. I venerate the icon mm-hmm. of our Lord and the mother of God. And then I lay down and go to sleep like that. That's, I can't do a whole Vespers. I can't do a whole Compline. I'm just utterly exhausted. So that veneration of the icons is just, I just kiss the icons and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, Theotokos, base out of the cross, little metany, little conversion, go to bed. So that like, if we, I think if we feel that we don't have much to offer those little sacramentals of, you know, pray once around the Chotki, pray three Jesus prayers, whatever it is, venerate the icons, these little gifts that the church gives us, these little beautiful things to say, Lord, here's a little mustard seed, here's a little five loaves and two fish. Um, but when it comes to the, the Fotina Samaritan woman, um, one of the things that our Lord often does is when he's, when he's converting anybody, especially someone like in a big conversion from nothing to the faith, agnosticism or atheism to the faith, there's almost always some aspect of surprise. Mm. So, um, we, we say in the, in the world of evangelization, and this comes from Andrew Whaley in that podcast we did, um, never answer any unasked questions. In other words, someone comes to you, our Lord sends someone to you to evangelize them. He sends someone to you to see you to speak truth and be any goodness to them. And you decide to share with them whatever's on your mind. You decide to share some deep truth about the Trinity. And they literally just asked about, can I have sex before I get married? Like, it's like, that, you don't, they didn't ask about the Trinity. You know, mm-hmm. of course, it has to do with the Trinity. But you, you need to speak to what their concerns are. So what are their questions, et cetera? So, um, so we, when we evangelize, we don't necessarily want to surprise people with our answers. We want to answer what they're asking. So we want to them to say, yeah, that, that answered my question. That's actually helpful towards truth and being a goodness. Our Lord, on the other hand, oftentimes surprises people when, when they have these moments. So you feel, you feel loved in a way you didn't expect to be loved in the, in, in the moment of your self-hatred in your shame, Jesus said, you're beautiful and you're loved. I got the, the great benefit of reading mother Ileana's book uh, before it goes out to the public. Um, so I, I was, I, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Okay. So I, I, I read the book, um, was able to read it and it's, it's so beautiful. Uh, we'll, we'll announce it when it comes out, but it, it was very much the times that she's been surprised by the father's affection and the mm-hmm. father's love. Um, so oftentimes in these conversions, we are surprised by what God does, especially if we expect him to be the opposite. I expect him to condemn me and he says, I love you. Mm. And the opposite is true for those of us that are have an ego, right? I expect God to praise me. And he goes, actually, you know, you need to hone that in. You need to correct that. You need to lose the ego. You need to do this a little bit differently. So we're oftentimes surprised by him. So um, the, the woman at the well is surprised by a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. She's also, of course, surprised that she calls him a prophet, right? You, you, you've, you've had five husbands. Many with now is not your husband. That's, she's like, how did you know? Right? That surprised her. Um, the second thing is that God gives us, after surprising us, um, is part of a conversion process, either daily or for the rest of our life, conversion. He then, he, he gives us the one thing he can give us, namely himself. Mm-hmm. And so for Fotina, this was the living, living water, right? This is actually him, the law, um, bubbling up inside of her. He, he, and also the, the reference that many scholars say that, um, at a well is where you meet your spouse. He says the man you're with now is not your husband. He may have been referring to himself. Mm-hmm. Like in other words, um, he invited him to a nuptial relationship. In a sense, she was one of the first nuns, right? So the first woman who, who kind of married Christ. Um, and he did not choose the purest woman like we would do. He chose a woman who said five husbands. Um, so there's this, he gives her himself. This is what Christ says. He doesn't give us stuff. He gives us himself. And that's all we want. That's all we need. That's all he can, all he will give us. 
So second thing is he gives us himself. Um, the third thing is that some aspect of worship, and this was Father Andrew Stephen Damick's insight, um, they immediately turn to worship. Because um, where do you worship? On this hill, she says, or in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, we'll worship in either place. We'll worship in spirit and truth. Um, and you won't need either your hill of Shamar or our hill of Zion, you know. Um, so, um, but in spirit and truth, there's some aspect of worship. And I love this. I mentioned this before, I know. But when, when you have a catechumen, when they profess Christ, uh, at, right before their baptism, when they say, I commit myself to Christ, the priest says, then worship him. Mm-hmm. So there, it's not just, uh, I don't just have a conversion. Conversion is not about what I believe in my head. It's about my entire person. And, and my entire person acts out my faith in worship. Mm-hmm. Worship becomes the act of faith. And so in the early church, I, I want to, when I have another adult baptism, you actually do a prostration at that point. And then you say the creed. So the prostration is an act of worship. The creed is an act of worship. This praying is an act of worship. When I say glory to you, O God, that's an act of worship. When I praise God, that's an act of worship. The, 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 the worship of God is part of the conversion process. It's not just about what I know. I believe something different than you. I act different than you. I, I, I worship differently than you. Which is interesting because when, when we hear like, um, if you will, if you love me, you will do the works. Um, and, and we, think um specifically of like the social works um and Mm -hmm. and the works of faith being the works of faith being like the things that we do for the people around us and that's certainly a part of it but but it's also very much like doing the the works of of worship right like liturgy liturgia means the work Mm -hmm. of the people um and so it's it's very much a so so much especially in our in our Eastern churches, like there's so much that um, it's it's part of why we involve our entire body in mm-hmm. in the worship because we we want to show that this is body and soul and that we are we're using all of the senses and and we're actively choosing this and we like there's there's so much happening on the inside that we can't help but show it on the outside. Mm-hmm. And, and this, I, I mean, even we could obviously do a whole podcast or more on, on the heart of worship, like what worship is, you know, I, uh, we offer you your own from your own, like worship is offering Jesus to God, the father, the mm-hmm. only worthy worship, the only worthy sacrifice, only worthy praise is, is Jesus, his own, who is God offering to the father. And, and we allow, we, in our worship, the divine liturgy and another worship, other liturgies, we, we offer God, we offer the father Christ who is human, one of us, you know, we offer to God. And then finally, the last thing she does is, of course, the reason why we love her so much, among other things, is, is evangelization, mm-hmm. right? We, we take, we take our worship then leads to evangelization. We worship in a sense with our community usually, and then we carry that out with the world. Um, and that's, of course, what she does. She goes into the town. She runs the people that she was avoiding because that's why she was in the middle of the day. Hopefully you all know this. Um, because likely she, she didn't want to go there when everybody else was there because they, she was the um, object. Um, of, of gossip because she'd had five husbands. So she runs those same people. She draws the entire town out. Whereas the apostles, they brought out physical food. Mm-hmm. Um, and she brought out the food of which Jesus had. I have food of which you do not know, he says, the apostles. Um, and that was, that was her evangelization, what she did to bring out the people. And then the people believe in it because of her. And then they say at the very end of the prick, it'd be at the end of the gospel for the day. Um, we no longer believe in you because of what she said. We now belong, we now believe in you because we've met you. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, the, the heart of evangelization is, is don't, don't care about the earthen vessel. Don't care about the evangelizer. It's the, it's the, it's who you believe in now. It's Jesus Christ who you now cling to like a good parent, right? You leave father and mother cling to your spouse. Like a good parent does a good job by preparing you for independence on your own. Like Fotina brought a few loaves and a couple fish and then. Yeah, exactly. Um, Is that very good? Yeah. I like that. Um, so you brought it back around when I, when I didn't know if I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's not, it's, it's not about her. Um, Ultimately, but, but what I also love about that, though, is like we see in these gospel stories that God meets us where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we see obviously that He meets Fotina where she's at, um, and He speaks to her with with love and with conviction, but without condemnation, and and very much a calling forward and all of that. But we also see He's meeting the other people where they're at because um, they're they're not 
seemingly condemned for believing in him because of her words. Um, that's just like the stepping stone to ultimately believing in him because of him, because of their own encounter with him. True because, belief, yeah. yeah, because we see this throughout the gospels where, um, where, um, like some people come to believe in him because of signs. And there, there are points in the gospel of John in which that's not said with condemnation. It's not like these people don't have um, faith. It's like they believed because of the signs and then they grow to, to believe deeper and to have that, that true belief and that true faith. Um, but like the signs do bring people to him. Um, and yeah, to just know that like, there are stepping stones and, and there's a constant purification of our yeah. motives yeah. and all of that. We're not expected to, um, to just be at the end when we're at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So. And, and our Lord planned it that way. And right. he's incredibly patient with us through that entire thing. One last thing I want to say about, about this passage, the gospel from John four and Fotina, the Samaritan woman, um, that there is, when he says, I don't know the word, I apologize. I don't know the word, but the, the word flowing water and living water is the same word. And so mm-hmm. when Jesus says, I'm going to offer you living water, like literally life itself himself, like, like she be, she's going to become a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? The water bubbling up inside of her. She's become a temple of the Holy Spirit. She's, Jesus is giving her himself and she's thirsty. So she hears flowing water. Mm-hmm. simple, clean, flowing water that's not stagnant and, and nasty, right? This is what's here. So when Jesus Jesus offers us everything and we, in a sense, interpret his words the way we want, mm-hmm. we interpret according to our joys or our fears. Jesus says one thing and we take that statement and we struggle to understand that statement for what he means. Mm-hmm. We actually accept it very selfishly. If Jesus, So if Jesus says to you, little one, I want to heal you. We all have our immediate, oh, he wants to heal me from this, mm-hmm. right? But that may not be it. Mm-hmm. Like we need to let him define what needs healing. We need to let him define what he's doing in our life so that we don't, like the woman, misinterpret this immense thing like life itself to mean something flowing water, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the ridiculousness of that meaning. And this, the apostles do the exact same thing when they think that, oh, somebody gave him some food. He mm-hmm. says, I have food which you do not know. He meant souls, right? The souls that she's bringing to him. And they thought he meant bread, you know, like it, it, the, the absurdity of the difference between what Jesus meant and what they heard is immense. The same thing, what Jesus tells us and what we hear, the, the disparity in that is immense. And so I think we need to, we need to make sure that when Jesus tells us something in prayer, from a friend, from a spiritual director, from a homilist, whatever it may be, there needs to be a great humility. And if I assume I know what Jesus means, I'm probably wrong. Jesus probably means something so much greater than I want or expect or desire or get resentful about. There's something so much greater. And one of the examples of this that I used, I did a funeral recently and it was a beautiful Melkite funeral. And so they, it was the pouring rain and the family wanted, they didn't leave the grave site until all the dirt was back on the coffin. So obviously the hole was there, the body was lowered, pouring rain we were all getting soaked and and so we're waiting for the 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 bulldozer for the tractor to come and put all the dirt on and so we're just standing there in the rain and we don't see the tractor anywhere in sight so the the uh, husband of the deceased says can i start shoveling on dirt and the guy's like sure so he goes over and picks up a shovel Mm -hmm. starts shoveling dirt onto the the tomb of his wife I'll get to the point before I get to the kind of emotional thing. But as he's doing this, I hear this woman go, this is new. (laughs) And she says, the traditional thing is to put flowers Mm. on the casket, not dirt. Mm. And I just had to laugh Mm. because she said it was so much confidence. (laughs) Like she's, she's wrong, Mm -hmm. right? She has a complete switch, but she said, Oh, this, that's not the traditional thing. The traditional thing is flowers, but that's because what she knows is traditional. Mm -hmm. That's her experience. So when something happens that she doesn't experience, well, obviously you shower at night. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. And she, she read onto it and I'm like, I'm like, why do we say wrong things with such confidence? And we all do it, Mm -hmm. but it's from our own experience. So people, when a new priest comes into a new church 
and and he's been to seminary recently and he says oh this is actually what you should be doing and people go no 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 you this newfangled thing you want to bring in here he may be talking about something that's ancient yeah. you know we all think that our experience is the right experience there, there needs to be an immense humility so the woman does it with flowing water the apostles do it with food of which you do not know this woman did it with flowers or dirt you know the dirt's obviously the more ancient thing people see this all the time they would shovel it on themselves mm-hmm. so that there's this the, especially when it comes to traditions or, or things like that we just we misunderstand so much and i guess the the big thing here is to uh, to truly undergo conversion in any sense we need to pray for humility mm-hmm. there there needs to be a receptivity uh, a, a humility um, that allows us to say, I'm humble enough to see that Jesus is going to take my five loaves and two fishes and feed thousands. I need to be humble enough to know that when the devil convinces me to think that I've done all these things on my own, um, I have a, a parishioner, she, it was, she says something so beautiful that she goes, she has three kids. If I had had my youngest two first, I would be such a prideful mother. Mm. I would think, look what an amazing mother I am. Mm. All these other mothers, their kids are are out of control. But look at my children. That must be my mothering. But the first child she had is crazy. <laughs> so the second two are are calm and nice, but mm-hmm. the first child is so is like so she's able to say like the first child has brought me understanding. I don't judge other parents anymore mm-hmm. like I would have if I had a different, you know, a, a child to behave differently. So that sometimes our Lord gives us these little gifts of saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I've now been forced to be humble in a way that has actually be so beneficial to my soul rather than the devil convincing me that all this good that I experience is my own. And, and to realize that what that humbling looks like um the lord does for each of us in different ways like for some of us it's the desert and for some of us it's the chaos and um and that it looks different for for different people but all of it is um to bring us back to him and and all of it is modeled after his own humility right um mm-hmm. like it's to be Amen. to be meek and and lowly of heart like him and you know that's that's why I really love that passage in in Hosea in chapter two of Hosea. I really encourage people to to pray with it and to put yourself in the place of Israel because um, I I think I've talked about this on the podcast recently. I'm sorry, it's just what I've been praying with a lot recently. But um, that passage of I will allure her and lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I've prayed with that verse a lot, um, but only in the last year or so did I start praying with the verses leading up to it in a more intentional way. And you just realize like God is describing how um, he like put up obstacles so that Israel couldn't reach her lovers. And he, um, he made things unattainable for her. And he did all of these things to basically like push her into the desert so that she would remember. And she'd be like, well, things are bad now. And I remember what they once were with my, my first spouse and I should go back to him. And it's just like, that's God's humility is that he's willing to, to even be the last choice, right? Like he's, he's willing to, to disprove all of these other things in order to show us that he's the one that we really need. Um, like he has the humility to to say to Fotina, you've been married five times, but I, I want you. Um, and to not just like discard her because he isn't her first choice. Um, Beautiful. And so to just pray with that and to pray with um, like, what are the, who are the quote unquote lovers in your life, right? Like what are, what are the things um, that are distracting you from your relationship with the Lord and, um, and, uh, and how to come back to him? Yeah. I'm having a, a few situations with three or four people that I love immensely. And it's all kind of come at once. Our Lord is purifying something in me. And where I just, I have I have friends that I miss immensely and I have not seen. And I've been bugging them for a long time. Can we hang out? Can we hang out? Can we hang out? And it's just like, they're so busy or doing mm. other things or distracted by life. And I, I feel like a parent <laughs> who's like, telling my kid i know you're at college you need to call dad Mm -hmm. like i know you're you're newly married call call dad you know like i please don't Mm. forget about me you know things like that and what 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 even more than like the parent image that i that i've been feeling that way is is that's what god does with us Mm. like jesus is always like almost it's it's like near 
this is I I know I've shared this before, but it's like it's near. There's a certain. It's kind of pathetic how mm-hmm. much Jesus wants us mm-hmm. to pay attention, to love him, to talk to him, to be present to him. And if he can be that humble and if he can be that vulnerable, I can absolutely do it. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to just, unless these friends tell me I don't want to talk to anymore, I'm going to keep on bugging them, right? I'm still going to try to be that big brother or that mm-hmm. parent that's just like, hey, you know, I, I, let's, I, 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 like your, I like your presence. I like your company. You know, can we... Um, can we do this? And I'd like, since Jesus doesn't stop doing that with me, I'm not going to stop doing that with them. Again, if, if, if they're like, Father, take a hint, like, you know, <laughs> take the hint, but then I will, of course. But until that day, I'm going to be that pathetic older brother or dad who's just like, hey, you know, please, let, let, let's, let's keep up this relationship type thing. And I, I think that, like, it's just what you said, it was so beautiful. Like, this is, the humility is Jesus's. We just want to tap into his humility. Mm-hmm. The love that he has for us, we should have for others. And when I when I start getting frustrated in my own mind by seemingly being adored and people to hang out with me, I'm like, that's exactly how Jesus feels. And that leads me back to him. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God. All right. Um, anything else before we shut her down? No, that's great. I really like that topic. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll do uh, we'll do uh, prayer intentions in a moment. But thank you all for listening. Uh, please do share this episode or any of our episodes with your friends. Um, let the food that we receive, the food of which you do not know, which is our evangelization, like it's Christ's. Um, let this spread, if if you would, that'd be great. Um, we are on Instagram. We're on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Padre Michael O. We have a nonprofit called Fotina, um, P H O T I N A dot org. We have a Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, that feeds our nonprofit. You can find us, just look up What God Is Not on Patreon, and you can uh, give to us on various levels with various benefits and uh, and support our, our beautiful nonprofit. We have a website, whatgodisnot.com. Um, we have an email address if you want to contact Mother Natalia or I. Um, she'll pass it on to me because she's the one of the checks, and that is what God is not podcast at gmail.com. We have a Goodreads page moderated by our, our wonderful media team, especially Beth, and uh, that's just go to Goodreads, and, and you can see what we're reading. We, we can see what you're reading, and uh, you can have a discussion about that, and you can just look up what God is not on Goodreads. We are also on YouTube audio only. Uh, sorry about that. We don't have enough bandwidth in uh, at the monastery to have video. Uh, maybe one day. I'm not sorry. I was going to say, I'm going to shut your mic off, Mother, so you can say anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's everything. Um, yeah, thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it immensely. Um, I'm going to ask people to pray for Maddie Hebert, uh, my spiritual daughter who's graduating tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, her ongoing discernment, her life for her family, um, that she may understand how much our Lord loves her and that she may understand what a benefit she is to those around her that she may understand the power of her vocation, what God has called her to, and that she may respond to that with, with great generosity, with courage, and also with humility. Um, I'll ask her prayers for two um, people that I encountered recently. One is a man named Dutch that Father Michael and I met. Um, pray for Dutch. It was Dutch, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, why, do you, why do we think of Dutch, Mother? Oh, <laughs> This was very exciting for me because we were, we were, I really didn't know where you were going with that, but I get it now. Um, we were out, um, at a coffee shop and, um, Dutch came up to me and he knew who I was. And then I introduced him to Father Michael because he didn't know who Father Michael was. And it was, I was just after Dutch left the table. Um, I told Father Michael and then Father Michael called Dutch back and told him and it was very embarrassing. But, uh, I told Father Michael that it was basically like the best day ever because finally, someone recognized me and not Father Michael because my whole life, that's an exaggeration, we've known each other for 12 years, but the last 12 years, people come up to me and they don't know who I am, but they're like, do you know Father Michael Lachlan? And it's so annoying. Um, And finally, today was my day. Um, So that was nice. But uh, pray for Dutch, please. Um, Seems very sweet. And then also for... Um, a man that I met named Connor. I met him with a few other guys as well. When Father Steve and I were out for a hike, we just ran into them, which was really fun. But um, there was a really embarrassing moment where one of them introduced himself to me and he said, "Um, oh, I'm like part of the Fusati company or something like that. And I was like, 
oh, um, do you know that Pierre Giorgio is my boyfriend? Uh, because, and only like 15 minutes later, when they were talking about their company again, did I realize he did not say Frassati. Uh, <laughs> it was very embarrassing. But there, it's a Catholic company, and so he immediately knew who I meant. And he was so sweet and just like didn't even correct me. He just smiled and nodded and then moved on with conversation. But anyways, Connor <laughs> is... Um, the one that I want to ask for prayers for when we ran into him, it was his birthday that day. And so father Steve and I sang many years for him and it was wonderful, but, uh, pray for Connor. He also is just super sweet. Thanks mother for doing all this when you're so tired. I don't even know how to respond to you right now. Cause your I, face I, looks very sarcastic. I'm not, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't want to say what's on my mind because it'll. It'll seem like the thing that you don't say to women. Oh, I look tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Thanks. I love you, Father Michael. I love you it's too. It's good to be Thank with you in person. You I'm really excited. Too. All right. Thank Thanks, listeners. Love you guys. Um, Father Michael, can you give us a blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. Cause His face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord grant you great, great humility. His own humility. Um, that you may understand the power of the little that you have, your five loaves and two fish that our Lord has given you as well, that you're thankful for that. And then um, understanding and receptive to the power that Christ takes and makes that little bit so incredibly fruitful. May our Lord grant you the humility also to any times that you get in your own way or debilitate your ministry or your growth because of misunderstanding where that power comes from, that our Lord may gently give you the humility that is actually helpful and that you may desire that humility, that courage, also that confidence, the beautiful confidence um, that he also gives. May you go through little conversions every single day and big conversions as often as our Lord wants. May also our Lord convert the heart of those whom you love and whom he has sent to you. May our Lord give you everything you need um, also to be an ongoing learner in that great humility, um, that all of this may be part of the act of our Lord's saving of your soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.